0: Okay, sir, 55 years now of uh, state high school boys hockey, and and you start, fittingly, I guess, with the uh, Thursday session with not the just four games and 12 periods, Lou, but uh, four games and at least portions of 15 periods.
1: That was a long day yesterday, and it was a surprisingly long day. I didn't think it would be going into overtime, time. But as the game wore on, you could uh, sort of see that Teams were having a trouble scoring. Then I started thinking about the Apple Valley game, and Duluthy <laughs> says, "Please God, don't don't be going five <laughs> overtime periods here." What I didn't know is if that game hadn't ended in with fifty three seconds more, and the period was over, yeah. the teams would have to come back to, this morning to play. Oh,
0: so yeah, I saw actually a John Malay of the high school league tweeted that during the course. I think of the of the third OT. And I thought I thought to myself, my immediate thought was Minnetonka-Jefferson, 85-ish. Is that correct? Because if you recall, they brought those poor teams back. Yeah, they brought, right. They brought them back, and I think the game was, was done then. A Jefferson kid came down the right-wing side and scored on a slap shot about, you know, about 50 seconds in, and you came back for that.
1: That's what I was saying. I, can you imagine? First of all, they wouldn't have charged for tickets. And we wouldn't have been uh, televising anyway because— uh, you know, you wouldn't do all that setup not knowing if the game was going to end in ten seconds or not. Absolutely. And and the unfair part would have been the kids having to get up early to go start at eight o'clock in the morning, and then whoever won had to play again that night.
0: So, so Luke, to go back now, fifty-five years on this tournament for you. How did this all start? Because by my math, you you were a very young man when somebody approached you then and said, "Would." would you like to work a tournament that I think at that time was probably a big deal, but certainly nowhere near the deal that it uh, eventually became.
1: Well, I had just graduated from the university of Minnesota and I was in a contract dispute with Chicago. So I didn't report to camp and I was working at, uh, and coaching a freshman at the university of Minnesota. And, uh, it was channel 11. I think it was called WTCN at the time. Yes. They called me and asked me to come down. They, they want to talk to me about, um, broadcast, so I went down and met with him. He said, well, are you interested in being the analyst for the state high school tournament? And I said, sure. Or, you know, what does it entail? And so we discussed it, Then he took me downstairs to meet with Mel Jass because I hadn't done TV work, and uh, Mel was giving me tips uh, tips on broadcasting, uh, what to look for, how to feel, what to think about when you're doing it, etc. And and then I started doing it, and didn't. That was uh, march of sixty four yeah and uh, and I've been doing it for the most part since that I missed a couple of years when I, I was playing, and our schedule didn't allow me to stay to do a game or two, but I, I can't remember how many you've done over that time, but it has been plenty hmm.
0: I, so as a player would, would you then then play in a game on Saturday at the Met and drive over and do the game, or how did that work back in the day?
1: No, what happened was we usually uh, played a home game on Wednesday night okay. at the Met. Yep. And then uh, the team, you know, we'd have I would have two, three days off uh, for some of them. They weren't back-to-back. So if the team was leaving, say, Thursday and, and, uh, or Friday and playing Saturday, they'd let me stay back for a day, and I'd do the broadcast and catch up to the team. Or if they happen to be at home, and say uh, we're playing at home Wednesday and Saturday, then I could just go across the, across the river and and do do it then.
0: So, what was it like from from the first tournament that you got the opportunity to work, and just sort sort of take me through, Lou, how this thing grew and grew, and and I, I know that that you've told me the story that there was a point where when you were GM of the North Stars. Uh, CCO TV was actually paying more for the rights to the state high school hockey tournament than the North Stars made for an entire season of, of their TV rights.
1: Well, that's after I moved up to be president okay. in 91. <clears throat> but uh, when I first started in 1964, the tournament was important, but it was not anywhere close to the production it is today. It was played at the old uh, uh, St. Paul C- uh, Civic Center even before the glass sports. That's where the St. Paul Saints used to play, the Minneapolis Millers, if you recall that, mm-hmm. in, the, in the International League. And uh, for the most part, it was just the announcer, it was Frank Butel I started with, and myself. And there was nothing else. No panel discussion, no features on teams. And uh, all the interviews were down, done downstairs. So I would have to run up and down the stairs, in between every period, to do all the interviews and back up, and the overtimes, the same thing. In between games, the same thing. So I was in terrific shape because I don't know. I think there's somewhere around fifty-seven or fifty-eight steps anyway <laughs> from the top to the bottom. And and one time I, I think I I counted I was fifty times because of the overtimes and uh, wow. The interviews and like on the first day of broadcast and and some other stuff we had. I'll tell you, it was it was ridiculous because uh, uh, you did you couldn't wait for the elevator and you had to be down to do the telecast downstairs and you got to go run back upstairs and back downstairs and back upstairs and <laughs> it was it was taxing. It was different, and I think I want to say when the cordless mic came out we started using, it might've been 65 or 66. So I, I, am sure I did the first interview on a Zamboni. that's ever been done. So I was got on the Zamboni. It's going around the ice and yeah. I'm interviewing the Zamboni driver. Well, that's so, right. That's so, fantastic. Yeah. And then one time I put, uh, I don't know if you remember the wrestler, the crusher. Oh
0: yeah.
1: And when I was going over to the station Saturday afternoon before the championship game, Saturday night, And I was over at the station around uh, 1 o'clock, and they were filming the uh, wrestling uh, that they used to put on WTCN. It used to be filmed at the studio, and then they played on on the air. And the crusher was there, and I said, Why don't you come over tonight so I can uh, interview you in between periods? And he asked me what it was about, and I told him. And I'll never forget, because I was down in the corner by the Zamboni, and I'm pretending to, while I'm talking to some people about the game, as I'm working myself around the crowd, because mm-hmm. I've got the crushers set in the crowd, but what I didn't know was he, he had a gold stick with him. So I come over and I said, hey, aren't you the crusher? And he said, yeah. I said, what are you doing here? And he said, they was asking for somebody to shoot the puck through the net, through the boards, through the end of town. So I came over and he stands up with his gold stick. I said, you do know that's a gold stick, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> but we had, a, we had a good interview. He was He was funny. He was good. And one time I had uh, when we were doing it at the Met, remember this? Uh, uh, tournament we went to Met yep. for a while. I had Andre the Giant there, and I interviewed him. and I I can't tell you the size of his hands and the, the ring size that he had on it. It's it, it just amazing. Yeah. My hand felt like a finger in his in his hand. Mm-hmm. He was just he was big.
0: When did you uh, Lou first know that that this thing was was huge? Was there a, a tournament in, in specific one? Was there a moment where you realized that this thing had gone from a nice a nice high school hockey tournament to a big, big deal?
1: I I actually don't remember uh, ever feeling the difference between what it was then and what it was now. Just the fact that as you got the, the new Civic Center with the glass boards, et cetera, and so many people watching the Met Center, and we'd have so many people there, it just you realize it was a a big tournament, but I think what struck me the most was when Sports Illustrated did a story, it might have been four or five pages that they did about it. And that was a time back after there was all the romance with the Hoosier basketball, the kids' basketball tournament that they had in Indiana. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Sports Illustrated got wind of the tournament in Minnesota and came down and thought it was bigger than the basketball tournament they had in Indiana, and, and did a, a phenomenal story on it, a big story, and I, I guess at the time when when I started to realize the the breadth of the, this tournament, the reach that it had throughout, but I did know because Louis Lamarillo was a friend of mine, he was, and he's now general manager of the Islanders, but he was coaching Providence, and and I'm doing a broadcast, and the day after the tournament's over, Louie calls me and says, hey, I need some hockey players. I says, what are you talking about? He says, I've been watching that tournament on TV. I said, in Providence? He said, yeah, I get it in Providence through the dishes. I'm like, no kidding. And he said, yeah, I, I want some, some of the players. I said, well, the first guys go to Minnesota, the first five go to Minnesota after that, I'll, I'll recommend guys, which I used to do for him." And he was telling the story about that, on Monday night at the general manager's meeting in Boca Raton oh, to yeah? some of the guys. So, Okay. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> then you start to realize that, you know, it's not just Minnesota that's paying attention to this tournament, but they, they're getting this on the dish, or, you know, in a lot of places in the country. And, and, and now all of a sudden you start thinking, boy, this is not just a, a boys hockey tournament in Minnesota for three days. It, it's something that people are aware of all over the country.
0: Yeah, exactly. So when when I I say Minnesota High School Hockey Tournament, what's the first thought? Is there any immediate thought that comes to your mind after all the these years of uh of being on it for TV?
1: I guess it's the uh the depth and and talent that's in the tournament right now compared to what I first saw, like first tournament I saw was when I was playing at the University in 1960. And and then I started working in '64, and when I look at that those tournaments and think about them, what do I think of? One or two players who are really good stood out. Uh, teams mostly used two lines and three defensemen. Mm-hmm. Not very deep. Not not really extremely talented. And now you look at some of these clubs got three and four. They all have three. Some of them four and they all have four, and most of them six defensemen. So you're using four-line, six defensemen, and these kids can all skate, they can all shoot the puck, they can all play. The The talent level, the size and speed of the kids is so dramatically different from what it was when I first started seeing it and then working it. Uh, I think that's what amazes me the most. And yet, when I stop to think about it and say, well, I think we have 52 or so kids from the state of Minnesota playing played in the NHL this year, which makes it the most of any state in the country. And many of those kids all played in the state tournament. Then you start realizing, yeah, <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is a very talented group of kids that are playing that tournament.
0: But you're exactly right. They are so quick now. I was, oh I was watching. I was watching <clears throat> the games yesterday, and and the speed, as has ha- happened throughout the sport, but the speed and skill of these kids now is just so different than
1: oh. 35 years ago. 35 it's years unbelievable. Ago, and well, you know, and it's a lot of these teams that, that they have exceptional speed. When when you look at the game last night, Duluth East and, and uh, St. Thomas, and you look at Edina the way they skated, the pace and 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 the speed at which they were playing the game was remarkable. And it's so changed from <clears throat> if you got some film to go back and look at 64, 65, and you'd have one dominant player. And and, and literally, uh, you know, if Bushy wouldn't have got hurt, I guarantee he'd have played the whole game against he at that time. Yep. <clears throat> and you're never going to expect some kid to go out and try and play the whole game in this. As a matter of fact, I interviewed uh, Jensen after the game yesterday. He right? Perry when he scored in the triple overtime. Yep. And he was—he played more than anybody else played of any of the teams in the games yesterday. It seemed like he was on the ice constantly, especially as it got—you know—the game got tied and it was in the third, got in the third period, and, that, and it seemed like he was never going off. Yep. And I said to him, I said, Jack, I, from my perspective looking at you in the third period, you really seemed to be getting tired. How did you feel? <clears throat> and he said, I was exhausted and I was cramping up. He said, "I can't tell you. I can hardly catch my breath now." Yeah. So that's what happens if you try and play a lot in, the, in these type of games because that pace is very, very fast, and the depth of the teams that they keep coming at you with not just one lines like that, two and three lines are like that, and so uh, it's it's really difficult to play. Like the kids played in the '60s, especially in the '50s and '60s, when they might be on the ice all the time, the good ones.
0: Do, uh, do you recall, Lou? I think it was circa '87, '88. Larry Olam and Warroad came
1: yep. here, and mm-hmm.
0: I don't, I don't know that he left the ice for games. It was, it, yeah. It, but, but the interesting thing about that to me was, if I recall, he talked about it afterwards, and part of the problem was was playing. In in the Civic Center, which was a bigger, hotter building, the kids wore down because they they were used to, in his case, playing up north, right? And so the building was freezing, and it wasn't as bad.
1: Yeah, you're right. You got when you got eighteen thousand people in there, and and, uh, and uh, of course, it's uh, it's going to be a lot warmer than than even if the building were empty. Like you go to a wild game before the game, it seems like it's cold in the building. The moment that thing fills up and the people are in there, the, the temperature in there changes dramatically. And so, for a kid like that that's always played in an arena, that you could call outdoor even though it's indoor, the heat nice. wasn't the same when you get in those buildings up north. But but uh, you you feel it, and then when you're playing when you're playing against good kids that can really play and skate, it's tough. I was you know you get these. Thoughts in your mind. I'm, I'm broadcasting that game yesterday with Eden Prairie, and, and I'm looking at Jensen and, and thinking how he feels. And it brought me back to when I was I was uh, 12 years old, <clears throat> playing for the school championship, but you know, just great school championship. We were playing this team from Bayview, and their their big star was Jimmy Sanko, and who eventually played with me in Midget and Jewett, and was a terrific player, but. I remember, and we had no coach, and so I'm the player, the captain, the coach, and he's the same thing in the other team. And I remember when we went into overtime, say Ted, and we went to a number of overtimes, and I wasn't leaving the ice, and he wasn't leaving the ice. And he eventually scored and beat us. And I I can honestly tell you, when I'm looking at Jensen yesterday, I was seeing how tired I was in that game when I was 12 years old. Sure and how I couldn't do the things I wanted to do late in the game because I, I, I just had no energy left, I had no strength left. Mm-hmm. And to see these kids doing it at a level of uh, that they're doing it of high school before 18,000 people and, and continue to push, it's tough. It's difficult.
0: So, the, among the challenging things that you've done in this capacity, that this job uh, for the past 55 years, where did uh, – analyzing the Edina games in, in the 80s uh, c- uh, come in w- when it came to the fact that your son, Mar- Marty, was on those teams. How tough was that to do?
1: Well, Marty played in 84, and my grandson, Louis, played in 2010, and my grandson, Tyler, played in 2012 and 13. I had the good fortune through the course of my life of broadcasting the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, with the Islanders and the Flyers and also the Bruins and the Canadians. I've done the game of the week for uh, ABC and NBC. I, I did, uh, when ESPN first got college hockey, I did all our college hockey uh, tournaments and broadcasted four overtimes in Lake Placid that uh, Bowling Green and Duluth played. I've done the Olympics in uh, Sarajevo, uh I've essentially done every, you know, every telecast there is in hockey. Mm -hmm. By far the toughest telecasts I've ever had were when my son played in 84 and my grandsons in 10, 12, and 13. And they were tough for a number of reasons. One, I want to maintain an unbiased feeling and look at the game. And second, I had to really guard against watching what they were doing and, and just what on the ice and just focusing on them and really remembering to focus on the game. And while the game's going on, you're maintaining your neutrality, but inside your stomach's just turning upside down. Yeah. And my son scored a winning goal in 84. Uh, when he won the championship then, and then Louie won it in 2010 and then Tyler won it in 2012 and 13 and 13 when he got four goals in one game. And, and then, uh, he had three assists in the championship game, I think it was, and another assist in the other game. So I'm I'm really, you know, having a tough time when they're on the ice maintaining that composure and that neutrality.
0: Sure. Now, was, were, uh, was it, it more difficult with your son or grandsons? Was, was there one believe in particular... or not, It was
1: more difficult with my grandsons.
0: Oh, I, I believe that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah I... Uh, You know, I I don't know why, but it it really got much more difficult with with my grandsons. And one of my grandsons, Tyler, in one of those games, he got a five minute major. (laughs) And you know, and he he still won a game, like I said, he 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 still uh, was co-leader scoring in the tournament when he got eight points there. But uh, when he's in the box and. uh, and I'm, <laughs> I got to tell you honestly, I'll tell you honestly how he felt. He got he got a check in from behind. Uh, they called it five minutes, which, in my estimation, I I said, well, the referee's got to do what he thinks he's doing. We're we're at a different level now of tolerance of how you check because of the Jablonski injury, which I think it should be. Yep. So he's got to make the call, but. I didn't say this on the air, but personally, I thought it was a terrible call <laughs> because it wasn't a checking from behind. So I got to live with that while I'm yeah. explaining why he's making a call and, and how he sees it and why why he made the call. <laughs> oh,
0: that's great! That's great because yeah, because I, I I know that that your tolerance for dumb penalties is very low. So, yeah. So, but if you thought it was a bad call, that's different, obviously. Then, so yeah. Hey, w- when they moved from. One classes to at first tier one uh, t- uh, tier two and then went to the class A class double A system. Was your thought that it changed things greatly, or or w- what was your uh, perception ha- having been around the one <clears throat> class tournament for so long at that point?
1: Well, I uh, I, I didn't like going to two classes because I, I, I'm a, I I just feel that the best should only play in the tournament, but they started another class that. Uh, some of these teams would opt out. We were making Cinderella stories, like War Road, for instance, yep. and uh, Hermantown, you know, great teams from smaller schools. I, I wanted to see them in a bigger thing. And I had to do the uh, single A as well for about five years because they told me, you know, you've been doing this so long, if you don't do the other tournaments, it's not like we're giving any credence to it being a, a, a tournament the same magnitude meaning or meaningful to the kids so right. so I had to do it and it was at Target Center a lot during that time I remember that. And I have to tell you you talk about dramatic changes in abilities and play.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: From the games I first did at Target Center from these single A teams to what they are now is mind boggling. The, the kids have improved so dramatically. The games, the teams now we got teams in single A that easily could be in the final eight of double a yes and 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 that's what I love, and that's what I hate. I love it because i I see so many good teams. I hate it because I still want to know who's the top eight and who should win preach, it, preach it, it's Lenny, just preach. something in in me that i was oh, you're right I always want
0: to see the best teams play' Because we're fans, yeah. Yeah. No, you're you're and that that's exactly right. Well well Saint Thomas Academy, which won a, yeah. a really good game last night, if I'm not mistaken for a long time was class A and you saw the talent there and said they can compete.
1: Well till about three years ago. Yeah. But I, I mean Saint Thomas was always there and doing well. And that Hermantown team we've seen so often is so good. And many times Blake and Brick have had really good teams that uh, could have made the top eight mm-hmm. of the double A. Mm-hmm. And war road, we know that's without question. Because during the year, these single A teams are playing double A teams, and you could even see the record and and just uh, look at their abilities against some of the teams that were seen in the tournament in the double A.
0: Most exciting game, or, or if there's a couple that you have that you have uh, worked during the course of all your years in this tournament, do a few stand out.
1: Oh, the one stands out for sure, the Apple Valley Duluth East, uh, five overtimes. And it stands out not just because it was five overtimes, because we had three overtimes you know, the, uh, yesterday with uh, Lee and Prairie. And, and uh, the difference was in that Apple Valley and Duluth East game, the chances got more numerable as the game went along. And the goaltending was absolutely mind-boggling. It got so loose, and and so wide open. I've never seen so many scoring chances, and nothing was going in. I mean, we went to five overtimes, and these goaltenders are making save after save after save, and the chances they were getting, you keep thinking you're going home. I, 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 I was amazed that they could have that many opportunities in five overtimes and not score a goal. Mm-hmm. The goaltenders were fab, fabulous. And I was amazed that that Apple Valley team came back the next day and won the ch- state tournament. <laughs> That's a very good I mean, point, yeah. They played they played all night long.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I I woke up in the morning, I was exhausted just broadcasting. Now, to think that these guys have played that much, that long, and they got to go in the championship game at the pace they had to go at and come out winning, that, that to me easily was uh, uh, the game that I'll remember the most uh, for being... Uh, just you know, outstanding. It, it was. It stands alone.
0: Did your voice start to go?
1: That's yeah, it did. To I did. I mean, both of us. You know, you're you're, you're trying to drink water, and and uh, if you got lozenges, which I take now with me all the time, just in case. Because it, it's not just you've done five games in. You've done a game before that earlier in the night. And you did four games the day before. So you've been doing a lot of uh, <laughs> talking, and and. It's culminating in, in an extra game in two thirds <laughs> on the following day. It, it, was, it was something. It, it was, it was it's one of the more memorable moments I've had in the, uh, you know, when I think about watching a ho- hockey games of any kind.
0: Most uh, spectacular performance you've seen from an individual in a tournament?
1: Well, there are two of them. I guess uh, Spear getting a hat trick in every game. Yeah, something. I don't think I'll, I, I'd be surprised if I, I see again. And and he followed that up with two hat tricks and 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 two other games. So in the follow, you know, in the following year. So here's a guy that uh, his scoring was just really unique. And the goaltender from Centennial, I think it's Clifford. I think the name was, but he got a, he shut out three teams in a row. And they won the state championship. Now, I I don't think I'll. I know I'll never see that again. I'd be very very surprised if some goaltender comes in this tournament yep. and gets three shutouts. These teams are so well balanced. They're so talented, so equal. I I cannot envision somebody getting three shutouts.
0: Old school wise, Henry back in the late '60s is that the is that the best old school performance? Henry Boucher.
1: Well, it's certainly one of them. I, I'm not so certain if he if he would have got hurt. He, he I, I, as I said, I think he played the whole game, and I think he, his team probably would have won. He That's was remarkable. he was so dominant that time. I, uh, I, uh, I, I got to tell you, he was he was on the ice constantly, and he was dominating all the time. He, it was a tremendous performance. Tremendous performance.
0: Uh, best team. Is there is there one team after all these tournaments and all these years that absolutely nope. stands out?
1: No, you can't, and, and the reason why you can't is because it's just like you can't you you can't say that one player from another era era is the greatest of all time because the the talent level is so different. How would they have competed against? talent in, in other areas so there's no doubt the great ones from other areas could play with the great ones in this area in this area with the other ones but to quantify it and and say this guy or that guy or that guy was better than this guy this guy and this guy yep. mm, that'd be really tough to do be really tough to do so when you look at the teams there have been some really great teams over the years you know going all the way back dominant teams. And you go back to when it started, back when it started. When Avila had dominant teams, and the International Falls had a run it was unbelievable. You know, uh, Johnson had some, but then the Dinah had a, a bunch of. Them. And then uh, uh, Jefferson, I think they won about five years in a row with dominant, dominant teams. Saturday, all
0: those teams, right?
1: And, yeah, and then you go on and, and uh, see some of these teams. I mean, they they were really good, really good. And uh, Eden Prairies had great teams. Uh, uh, Duluth East has had some great teams. Uh, Rosa Warroad. Where would you stop? Yeah. So the, there's been fabulous performances. When we were putting together the list of best players, best teams, best coaches, etc., mm-hmm. and and you try and look back, it's really tough to do. And so what, what happens? Like if you're going to pick the best players right now, mm-hmm. you, you, now really, <laughs> what comes into play? most people didn't see all the players. So right away, they're going to look at statistics. Absolutely. Yeah. And statistics are, you know, they're for that time period. Mm-hmm. They don't they generally mean that it would be the same in this time period, which it wouldn't, of course. And and so it's, it's tough to say. Plus, uh, you're not looking at the competition, the level of competition, the abilities of the other players. And so it's really tough to say. And then the other thing they look at And you have to really guard against, if you want to say who's the best during the tournament or how they played during the tournament, sometimes it doesn't equate to what they've done in their hockey career after the tournament. Because some of them had better pro careers (laughs) and domination domination than they had in the tournament. And, And so you have to watch whether you're taking what they've become or what they did at that time
0: hey when you were the stars g m was there ever a tournament that you watched and and worked and came away h- having seen a player that you either hadn't heard much about or seen and said, "I gotta draft that kid
1: Well, I was done by then, but it was McDonough I hadn't seen McDonough play oh, he's, yeah. and oh, yeah. and I didn't know anything about mcdonough with Creighton, yep and anyway, we and uh and the game was over, and I went downstairs as I always do to congratulate the winning coach and, and talk to the uh, losing coach. And then, first thing I said I think it was Jim O'Neill was coach, and I said, "Where is that good Donnig kid going to school?" I said, "Is he going to the U?" And he said, "No, he's going to he's going to Wisconsin." I said, "You got to be kidding me!" And the next morning, I got up and called O'G. I said, "You got to get on this guy." I said. uh you know this this guy's a terrific hockey player. He said, all well, he's going to Wisconsin, I said, we'll get him to change his mind. And and he said, well, we don't do that. You know, in hockey when a guy commits, that's it. I say, hey. when Mason was fired as coach, the next day Wisconsin took five of our football players. I said, don't have any pitying guys. Go after these guys. But they know they they would, they wouldn't get guys to change your mind. Right. And then when he got traded, uh, Sather was general manager of the Rangers. And he made a deal, and he traded uh, with Montreal for Chris Higgins. I think it was in McDonough, mm-hmm. and I think Gomez went up there, and somebody else. And I called Glenn, who was a very close friend of mine. I said, "Just want to tell you, you probably don't know it, but the best guy, the best player in the deal, is going to be that McDonough kid who was playing in Wisconsin that you just got." And and so I, I remember that specifically because. Uh, I hadn't heard or seen about him or knew about him until until I watched him in a tournament.
0: Interesting. Last thing sir, when when I was doing the uh, uh sports media column at the Star Tribune, I talked to you at one point and I believe at that time you said that 50 years was going to be it. Uh what changed your mind to conti- continue to come back and how long would you like to continue doing this?
1: Well, I I I was thinking 50 years was going to be it because that's when my grand my grandkids were we're going to be through. And I thought, no, that's enough. And, you know, and with my work and that, do I want to come back? But I've enjoyed it so much. I like it. And uh, I guess my great-grandson, i got a great-grandson now. I wonder if I could do another eight, <laughs> 16 years and see him play. <laughs> <laughs> that's impressive,
0: Louie. Now you're going to hang on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> through through
0: what uh, through what uh, school? Edina again, of course, or
1: what? I don't know. I mean, he could go to a private school. He go oh, somewhere funny. else. It's my grandson Louis, son, and uh, Nico Louis. So okay, maybe he could be good enough at fifteen. Who knows? That that could so a Fifteen years approximately.
0: Bit, so. Sixteen years approximately. You'll still be in the booth, maybe.
1: Well, 15, because he's already okay. going to be, you know, he's okay. nine months old now. I figure he's going to make it as a sophomore, so. <laughs> yeah, put some pressure on the kid there, Lou. There's pressure. Sophomore
0: is impressive. All right, sir. Great stuff. Thanks, Lou Nanny. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Nice talking All right, to you. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.